So excited that each and every one of you are in this place. Welcome to Southridge. We hope you're having a great morning. We're going to worship together this morning. We're in a new series entitled, Hear No Evil. And we've got several things that we're going to be bringing out today, but we're excited that you are here. If this is your first time, welcome. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter number three. So if you brought a copy of the Bible with you, you could take that. Otherwise, there'll be a copy right there in front of you. And if you have that Bible in front of you, then you can use that as a, our gift to you. Let me just wipe this down here because today I'm going to be doing a message that might just be a little bit more teachy in nature. And uh, just because I believe the truths that we're looking at in this series are so important, are so practical, I want you to grasp it because I feel like there are so many of us that were left kind of bound by some of the things that we're going to bring up. And so this morning, I'm looking forward to listening together and looking forward to what God has for us. So we're in Genesis chapter number three in this series entitled, Hear No Evil. And last week, we talked about the fact that there are three voices that are competing for our attention. They're competing for your attention, and they're competing for my attention. And these are voices that constantly go on nonstop. I don't know about you, but I kicked it off last week, and I said, my home is rather noisy. I have three children, and I've got a husky and I've got a beautiful wife and I like to talk to her. But when I'm talking to her, my kids like to talk and then my husky likes to talk. So there's a lot of noise that's going on. And sometimes we can have more noise, not in our homes, but in our heads. And what happens is the noise that's in our head often is negative. It's amazing how many negative thoughts pass through our minds. You might each and every day, may not, maybe you were on your way to church and you were like, oh, my makeup doesn't look right, or my clothes don't fit the way I thought they were, or I, I don't like the way my car looks, or I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about what's going to happen tomorrow at work, I'm not looking forward to starting another work week, and how many negative thoughts pass through our minds. And instead of just uh, dealing with those thoughts, we let those thoughts affect our mood and affect our emotions, and they get us down, and it's because we're hearing evil. And so last week, we said the three voices that are competing for our attention. And I'm just going to do just a little bit of review because I think it's so powerful what God can do when we get down these voices. Number one, there's the voice of God. So if you missed last week, just understand God is speaking. Whether this is your very first time in a church, whether you're not even sure about God, whether, whether or not you're new to Christianity and spirituality, I want you to understand God is speaking and God will use anything. There's a passage in scripture where God spoke to a prophet using a donkey. I thought about doing a message entitled from one ass to another, but I'm not sure if that's quite appropriate for church, but one day look for that message, you know, and, uh, you know, but God's spoken out of a burning bush. God has using uh, all different types of things to speak and God is speaking. So you mark it down, whether you're new to faith or whether you're not sure this whole God thing is real, mark it down. God is speaking, but just as much as God is speaking, there's another voice that's speaking and that's the voice of the devil. Now, here's the thing. We live in a generation today that we, in our uh, scientific modern day and age, we don't believe there's actually literally a devil. We kind of think that's a fictitious made-up character. And I feel like that's maybe one of his greatest weapons against us. It's the fact that that's like the boogeyman. That's like a ghost story, the devil. And I feel like there are so many people that they believe the Bible, but yet when it comes to the devil, they don't understand that we have an enemy, that he's out there. He hates us. He wants nothing to do with us. He wants to destroy us. And yet we just kind of act like he's not a threat. 
How foolish is that to act like there's not a threat out there? There is a threat. The Bible says in John chapter number 10, verse number 10, that the devil, his one agenda is this. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's you. That's his agenda for us. But yet so many people who are Christ followers are ignorant of what the devil wants to do. So he's speaking and he's speaking. Whenever the devil's speaking, you mark it down. He's speaking lies. Whenever the devil opens his mouth, it's to say a lie. The Bible says in John 8 that he is the father of lies. We have a heavenly father. Satan is also a father. His children are lies and he nurses them. He protects them and he tries to make make sure they're healthy and strong and he tries to get these lies. And sometimes he'll put a lie in your thought that you're not good enough. You don't deserve that position. You're not going to keep her. You're not going to stay with him and you're not good enough and you're whatnot and all these thoughts and lies just go through our mind. And some of you believe these lies. Some of you believe the lie that you're not worthy of real love. You're not worthy of having a real relationship. Or some of you feel like I'm a failure. My parents were a failure. My grandparents were a failure and I'm doomed to fail as well. It's just a pattern of failure. So I'll never make it. It's a lie that the devil wants you to live with. The third is the voice of our self. And yourself is always speaking too. Yourself says, put me first. It's all about me. Many times we get in fights and we get in arguments. Why? Because we want to put self first place. And so those are the three voices that we talked about. And we said this, we said, you can tell where a voice comes from by taking note of where it takes to you. There are people today where the suicide is on the rise because they're dealing with deep depression and anxiety and they don't know what to do. And they'll hear a little voice that says, end their life. And you can tell where a voice comes from by where it's taking you. When a voice tells you to end your life, that's not of God. That's not even of yourself. That's of the devil. So where the, uh, take note of where the voice comes from, but then, hey, where is it taking you? We also said the the lies you believe will determine the life you experience. So when it comes to these voices, which one you listen to will change the course of your life. When I was younger, I grew up in a neighborhood that had uh, lots of kids and they didn't go to church and I would hang around some of them. And uh, I was about eight or nine. And one of them, I remember his name, Stephen, he came up to me and uh, he knew I didn't really cuss at that time. I wasn't married yet, so I didn't cuss. And uh, so, um, you know, (laughs) some of you like, there's a little bit too much truth to that, you know, once you get married, all of a sudden things happen. And, uh, you know, and so when, when I was about eight or nine, I didn't know any cuss words. I didn't cuss at all. And uh, the worst word I knew was butthead. That was like, Ooh, bad. Like you said that word, you were getting your mouth washed out with soap. How many remember that? You ever have a parent do that to you? That's right. You know, I think dove tastes better than ivory, but you know, it's neither here nor there. And, uh, so when it comes to, uh, saying a bad word, you might get your mouth washed out with soap. Well, my friend Steven, he told me, Micaiah, grab your tongue and say apple. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And then I thought that was kind of cool. So I went home. I have six other siblings. So I'd go to one sibling after another. Hey, grab your tongue and say apple. And then so in our home, everybody started grabbing their tongue and saying apple. And so I got the beating of a century. You know, it's just like, what happened? Why? Because I believed a lie. And guess what happened? I lived a totally different experience. Some of us are believing things that are destroying our life. Like some of you have been bought into these lies that they're literally destroying you. And so we talked about, hey, the three voices and lies. They seem like they're so innocent, don't they? I mean, come on. There's lies we all, we all say. I mean, we all get the nudge to fudge once in a while, don't we? We always kind of get that little, that's eh, not going to hurt anybody. Here's some of the common lies you and I use. I'm almost there. Yeah, right. 
you are 20 minutes down the road. You are not almost there. Just own up and say, hey, I thought about going there. No, I didn't even plan to. I mean, just just back it up and just own up to it that I don't even want to be there. I don't want to hang out with you. And so that's why I'm late and I just feel obligated to be there. So we use that lie that, hey, I'm almost there. Or here's another lie. I'm listening. Uh, guys, we're guilty of this. Uh, ladies, whenever we say, uh-huh, it just means we've checked out and we're just replaying Sports Center in our mind. You know, we can do that kind of stuff. We can be here and in our mind just go to Sports Center or just do whatever. And so if we say, uh-huh, we're not really listening. Or um, your, your girlfriend will come up to you and say, do you like my new outfit? And you're like, I love it. You know, it's like, no, 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 you're lying. That's a lie. And another one is, I remember you. I'm guilty of that one on many occasion. And And another one is, I forgot to do that. Or here's one, uh, traffic was bad. I've got plans today and I've been busy. These are all lies we tell, but then there are some lies that parents tell to their children. And these are kind of funny. And I thought I'd read some of these. These are, I found this on an article of lies parents actually told their children. Here's the first one. Your goldfish is sick. I'm flushing him down the toilet so he'll get better. And we'll pick him up at the pet store. You know, it's like, what is that? It's a little lie that, that'll make you feel a little better. Here's another one. They don't make batteries for that toy anymore. That's, that's a good one that parents use. Um, sorry, the TV isn't working. Working because I forgot to charge the batteries last night. You know, I mean, there's a lie. Um, the tooth fairy only lives on the East Coast. Sorry, too bad you live on the West Coast. Tooth fairy is only on the East Coast. Uh, the only way you can go to Chuck E. Cheese is if you're invited to a birthday party there. That's, that's the only way. Otherwise, you can't go. And then my personal favorite, one dad told his kids, when the ice cream truck plays music, it means they're out of ice cream. You know, there's one you might want to use just in case you're wondering what to do. But these are all lies. And sometimes we even uh, take a lie and we try to make it mm, more palatable. So we'll call it that's just a little white lie. That's just a small little lie. But here's the danger. Because where do lies come from? Directly from the devil. No matter if it's a small lie or a big lie or a medium-sized lie, all lies come from the devil. And yet today we've been so desensitized towards lying. Now, this isn't a message about, oh, you shouldn't lie, though you shouldn't lie. But here's what's worse, is we start believing the lies. Uh, I went to a circus when I was eight or nine, and uh, nowadays circuses are changing. I think they just use hologram elephants because of the way they were treated, and the animals aren't real. We went to SeaWorld this past summer, and it was the most disappointing experience of my life because you go to SeaWorld now, and the animals don't do anything because they're getting sued by PETA, and so the animals just swim. It's like going to a big old aquarium. That's all they do. And so I went to a circus, and when I was eight and nine, you know, they didn't have all these things. They didn't, news hadn't broken out how bad these elephants were treated. And so I just thought as a little kid, this is pretty awesome to see these elephants in action, to see them stand up and to see them do all these cool things, not realizing how poorly they were treated. But as I did some research for this message, I learned how the circuses controlled the elephants. You see, when they would get the elephants as a baby, what they would do is they would take a little rope and they'd put it around the head of the elephant. And then they would tie the rope to a little stake. Now, when the elephant's a baby, it's not that strong. So when they'd pull against the rope and pull against the stake, it couldn't break free. So every day when they were done training the baby elephant, they'd put the rope around it and they would tie it to a stake and the elephant couldn't pull. Well... Day after day, week after week, year after year, eventually the circus ringmasters would no longer have to tie the rope to the stake. The moment they put the rope on the elephant's head, the elephant just thought, I'm trapped. I can't move. I just stay here. 
And I felt like that illustration reminds me of so many Christians I've met. That Satan has got a lie around your head and you feel paralyzed, powerless. You don't understand what the Apostle Paul says, we have the victory in Christ, that we are victorious, that Romans chapter number eight, that what can separate us from the love of God? And he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And yet you and I are bound by these lies that we're living. So you and I think, oh, it's just a white lie. It's just a nudge to fudge, but it's bigger than that. It's the fact that some of you, because of the lies you've lived and you've been believing, you're bound by it. So you think I could never hold hold a marriage together. I could never raise good kids. I'll never be successful. I'll never do the right thing. I'll always be angry. I'll always be an addict. And that's a lie that you're living and you're bound by and it's destroying you and you can't walk in freedom in that you're supposed to have in Christ. Because why? You believed a lie. Because last week we said, learn to discern the voice of God. But this week we're dealing with the devil. And this guy is beating some of you guys up each and every day. And it's time for you to understand your place. That the Bible says that Jesus conquered death. He conquered the devil. He is not above our heads. He's below our feet. And so we need to be aware of his strategies. So this morning, this message is simply entitled, I got two of them. You can pick the one you like better. The anatomy of a lie or the truth about lies. Because Satan is going to use lies. And we're going to see in Genesis chapter 3 where he starts. Where he starts is in Genesis chapter number 3. If you have a Bible, would you turn there? And if you don't, there's a Bible in your seat back pocket and you're just uh, welcome to keep that as our gift to you if you don't have a Bible because we believe it's powerful when you and I open God's word we see God's word so if you didn't bring one it'll be up on the screen notice if you would verse number one the Bible says this the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made one day he asked the woman did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened and soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who gave it with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? You see, Satan uses a lie. You say, why? Because at the root of a lie, a lie is really this. And I want you to get this definition. A lie is the desire to assume control over another person's heart. You say, what do you mean? I, I, I don't know about that. No, no, it really is. Why do we lie? Because we either want to project an image. Hey, how much did you lift at the gym? Oh, I lifted, lifted 275. We're trying to project or we're trying to protect. Hey, you were late to the meeting. I wasn't late. A lie we use to project or to protect an image. You see, that's what Satan wants. See, Satan said something to Eve. He said, guess what, Eve? God says you're perfect. God says you're wonderfully made. God says you're awesome. But guess what? You're missing something, Eve. It wasn't that Eve had a problem. It's Satan was insinuating that Eve was a problem. And so that's the lie many of us believe. It's not that we have a problem. It's that we are a problem. It's not that we have a temper. It's that the temper has us. It's not that we have an addiction. It's that the addiction has us. And we see this lie and this lie is 
binding us. It's allowing us so we can't find freedom in Christ. So Satan comes ever so subtly, ever so sneaky, and he just kind of plants this little lie. And some of us this morning, we don't understand. He's trying to assume control over our hearts because that's what a lie does. A lie is to assume control. Yesterday, the men went fishing, and I could just imagine that some of the men came back and told their wife, my fish was this big. You should have seen my fish. He was so big, you know, and in actuality, what are they doing? They're just sharing a small little lie that thing's not going to hurt. But what are they trying to do? Project something so that we think they're better. And we're all guilty, aren't we? If you have social media, we are guilty, aren't we? On Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you use to project an image or to protect an image. And what Satan does is he's, he's really clever, isn't he? Because the devil's lies revolve around three things, beauty, abundance, and success. All of his lies revolve around beauty, abundance, and success. So three things we all want, aren't they? And they're not wrong to have. You come to me and say, hey, Pastor McKay, I really want success. I'm like, man, that's great. I want to pray that for you. And Joshua 1.8 even talks about how to have success. It even says that God wants you to have success. So that's not it. Or you say, hey, I want to, I want to be beautiful. But that's what Lucifer wanted. He wanted to be praised and worshiped above God. You see, beauty can become our idol. And today, more than ever, it seems like that's become our idol, hasn't it? Or abundance. I just got to have things. It's the fact that some of us, we feel like we're missing out if we don't have them. You see somebody who gets a new car, all of a sudden you don't like your car. Why? Because you saw something new. You have this desire to acquire. You want this abundance. So Satan, that's how he uses his lies. He uses his lie that says, hey, guess what? At work, they won't notice if you take a little bit extra from that cash register because you deserve it. Oh, isn't it how subtle he gets? My dad and father-in-law, he worked for a company and he's from the Philippines. And so sometimes you can come here and he, he kind of, he's a consultant. He'll work at other uh, power plants. And he was working at a power plant where they said, hey, Felipe, we want you to uh, lie on the accounting. And we're going to take a little bit off the edge. They thought, hey, he's from another country. He'll just kind of go along with it. And my father-in-law said, no, absolutely not. He lost his job over it because he stood for the truth. But here's the jokes kind of on them because he got out of a bad situation. Now it put him in a better situation because it's not an opportunity if it's going to cost your integrity. That's one that I would write down. That's one I would tweet. That's one I put on my phone because that's the truth. If you're a young person here this day and age and you're tempted to give up your purity, understand it's not an opportunity if you have to give up your integrity. It's not an opportunity if you have to give up your integrity. And sometimes we walk into a job deal where we have to lie, we have to cheat, we have to steal. And I'm telling you where that came from. That's all from the devil. God's not speaking to you in that moment. The devil is. So which voice are you listening to? So understand this. Would you please write this down? A lie has a purpose. You see, Satan had a purpose. He had a purpose to lie to her. The Bible says the serpent was shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees? You see, he has a purpose. He has a purpose. What was his purpose? And it's threefold. It's threefold. First of all, it's to distract you. I said it last week, you're destined, but you're distracted. So understand that Satan wants you to be distracted this morning. This morning, he wants you to get distracted. Distracted from what though? Distracted from what? He doesn't want you to see all the good things in your life. He doesn't want you to. He doesn't want you to see that, guess what? Your marriage may not be perfect, but guess what? It's making ground. I used to get so frustrated because sometimes I might go someplace or I might be somewhere and my wife will bring up a memory and it used to bother me. And I got to thinking about it. She'd say, oh, I remember a couple of years ago when this happened here. And it used to bother me. I'm like, why you got to bring that up? But then I remembered something. You know why she's bringing it up? 
because I'm not like that anymore. So guess what? I'm making progress. See, that's what we do. We just stay in the negative instead of saying, wait a minute, she's bringing it up because she's actually pointing out the positive that that's the old me and there's a new me now and I'm making progress progress. You see, Satan wants to distract us on all the good things that are happening. There's so much good happening around your life that you're missing it. There's so much good happening to your children, but you can only focus on the one thing. When you get a report card, there could be a bunch of A's in that one C. And what do we like to talk about? The C. Your boss, you're doing great. You're firing all eight cylinders and the boss brings up the one little thing you're doing wrong. It's amazing. We love to fixate on the negative. And yet God is saying here, hey, I want you to see the blessing. Did you notice something? Where did God put the tree of good and evil? Does anybody see it in the text? He put it in the middle. Now that's powerful, church. That's powerful. God didn't put it on the outside. He didn't put it on the side. He put it right in the middle because God always surrounds his boundary with a blessing. You see, you and I are easy to look at all the negative around us, but God says, wait a minute, wait, wait, stop for a second. There's this one bad thing and you're surrounded by good things, but yet you're fixated on the one bad thing. You're fixated on the one bad thing your child's doing. You're fixing on the one bad thing your spouse is doing. You're fixated on the one bad thing that's happening at the church. You're fixing on one bad thing that's happening at the job. Get your eyes on God and see all the blessings around you. It's time to do a 360 and to walk about and say, God, show me, open my eyes to all the good things you're doing because Satan wants to distract you, but not just distract you. Number two, he wants you to distrust the goodness of God. Some of you this morning, you don't believe that God is good. Oh yeah, you say it because you're at church, but you don't believe it. Oh man, when it comes to acting like God is good, you sure don't act like it. Why? It's easy to say, it's another thing to live. And I'm here to tell you, Satan was trying to get Eve convinced that guess what? You can't trust God, that God doesn't really love you. Notice what Satan said. He said to Eve, you can't eat any of the fruit. Well, that's stupid. She even said it. She said, no, 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 Satan, you got that wrong. She caught one of his lies. You see, that's like us. Sometimes we'll catch one or two of his lies, but we won't catch them all. See, you got to catch them all. It's kind of like Pokemon, but with lies, you got to catch them all. You like my little references, pop culture? Come on, work with me, church. Are you awake this morning? Come on, come on, wake up. I know we got some sleepy ones, but it's all right. We can engage with church. It's okay. Some of you are like, we're not allowed to do this in church. It's okay. Relax a little bit. God loves you. It's going to be okay. Some of you are looking at me weird. It's all right. We're going to be fine. Understand that God wants us to catch the lies of Satan, but some of us, we don't even know the lie because some of us are gullible. I'm super gullible. Oh, you can get me all day long. Super easy. The other day, somebody called the church number and I answered and they said, we're coming to shut down your power. And I freaked out. I was like, oh, you're coming to shut down the power. I, it was a Saturday. And I was thinking, you guys can't shut down the power. And, uh, and they said, you got to pay the bill. The bill's $1,900. We don't own the building. We pay the landlord and the landlord pays the power bill. So I was thinking, the landlord didn't pay the power bill and they're going to shut down the power. I started freaking out. And then something inside my brain said, how did they get your number if you don't own the building? Mm, I'm blonde, but guess what? I catch some of them. And all of a sudden I was like, how'd you get my number? Oh, well, sir, uh, we just have it on the files. No, no, no. How'd you get my number? Because I don't own that building. I don't get any of the PG&E bills. Oh, you just registered. No, I didn't. This is a scam. And then we called PG&E and they're like, yeah, we're getting scammed like crazy. And people are paying this fictitious company money so the power won't turn off. And it's amazing how Satan, he's always after us and he'll use these lies. And what he's trying to do is to distract you, to get you to distrust that God is good. You mark it down that God is good. There's an old saying we used to say at our church. God is good all the time. All the time. 
God is good. When you start feeling like God isn't good, you speak to yourself and you tell yourself, guess what? You're believing these lies and you're getting trapped by them. So Satan, he, first of all, he wants you to distract you. He wants to distrust God's goodness. Why? So he can disguise his real intent. Write down the word disguise. Satan wants to disguise his real intent. See, Satan doesn't just come at you with a lie. He disguises himself because Satan's been at this for thousands of years, Christian. He's worked on the very best. And so Satan will disguise himself. And some of you don't understand. The Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light. Ooh, yeah, he gets sneaky. He'll put on a disguise. He'll try to, it's almost Halloween time. You're about to go to the spirit shop and buy an $80 costume. Your kid's only going to wear once. You're going to spend all that money. Then they're going to get a bunch of candy and rot out their teeth and dentists are happy. It's coming up. We're used to disguises. But guess what? Satan's always putting on a disguise. And some of you, you think you're talking to something else, but it's really the devil. He's coming at a disguise. Even right here, he's using the disguise of a snake. That's not exactly what he looks like, but he's using the disguise. He's coming to us and he speaks and he's speaking lies. And so some of us were falling for it. And what did he disguise? He says, you won't die. Did you catch it? He says, you won't die. But guess what? The Bible says because of one man's sin, death passed upon all men. Wait a minute. He said, you're not going to die. What's his real intent? He does want to kill you. John 10, 10. The devil has one ambition. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill everything about you. Why would the Bible say in John 10 that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy? What, how can you destroy something that's already dead? It means God wants to take everything, Satan wants to take everything about you and utterly destroy it. He wants to wipe it off the face of the earth. He hates you that much. He can't stand you. He can't stand that you came to church this morning. He can't stand that you read your Bible this week. He can't stand that you were praying. He can't stand that last Sunday you came and you started getting in touch with the voice of God. He can't stand that you started to learn to discern God's voice and that you started to hear that voice so clear this week, that you started praying this week, you started leading your family this week, you started to lead your children this week, that you started to deal with your temper this week, you started to deal with your lust this week. You started to deal with your lying this week. You started to deal with your gossiping this week. You started to deal with your hate this week. You're starting to deal with things. You're starting to get victory in these areas. Your marriage is getting better. Your parenting's getting better. Your walk with God is getting stronger and he hates it. He hates it. He hates it this morning. And this morning you're finding victory. And so he wants to totally destroy you because not only does a lie have a purpose, a lie has a target. Did you notice Who Satan went after? He didn't go after Adam. He went after Eve. Now, ladies, please, I don't want to offend. I really don't. But he went after Eve because the Bible calls the woman the weaker vessel. Now, it doesn't mean the lesser vessel. It means the weaker one. It means the one that should be protected, the one that should be shielded, the one that should be covered. It's God's picture of how God interacts with the church and how the husbands interact with the wife. It's that that covering, that protection. That's what it is. So Satan comes after the weaker one. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says, Peter was writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Any Discovery Channel fans in the house this morning, you watch the Discovery Channel? Any of you, oh, two of you watch TV, the rest of you don't have it. Okay, Uh, you only listen to the radio. Okay, I got you. And uh, two of you have a TV. But for the two of you that have a TV, you ever watch Discovery Channel, watch the lions? Oh, some of you now got a TV all of a sudden. Did you go real quick and get one? I I don't know what happened there. And uh, so you watch the Discovery Channel. You ever watch those lions? Are they looking for the gazelle that's doing bench presses and shooting up with steroids? Are they looking for the one with the six pack? No, no, no. Those lions, I'm being silly here. I know those lions are looking for the weak one, the sickly one, the old one, the one away from the herd, the one that's off by himself. And all of a sudden the lions set their sight on that one and they go after it. 
You see, if you've isolated yourself from the body, you say, I don't need the church. Guess what? Satan says, you're weak. If you say, I don't need the Bible. Guess what? Satan says, you're weak. If you say, I don't need prayer. Guess what? Satan says, dinner time. You're weak. If you don't find yourself in regular worship and regular prayer and regular Bible reading, Satan sees you as a target and Satan saw Eve as a target and Eve, and he came after Eve. He said, I'm going after that one. I'm going to go after the one who doesn't walk with God. This is why it's so vital and so important. We want to encourage you. If this is your first time at Southridge, just keep coming back because we want to equip you. We want you to understand that Satan is out there. We want to give you tools to understand how he works so you don't just think, man, am I thinking crazy? I just felt like, man, my life is so much more difficult now I'm a Christ follower because once Satan was your master, but once you became a Christ follower, he's now your opponent. He's your enemy. And so life has gotten harder. You have an enemy that's out there and he wants to destroy you. But here's the last thing. A lie always has an element of truth. See, this is what makes a lie so powerful because it has an element of truth to it. And you see, Satan uses every lie he gives has an element of of truth. What was the element of truth? You will be like God and you'll know good and evil. Guess what they did? But it cost them something. It cost them something. And it marred the human race. And we were cursed. But what should have happened? You see, what they thought was okay was not okay. But too often, you and I, we get in these situations because we didn't check our thinking. So here's what I want to help you with this morning. And this is the last three things I really want you to get. And I know this has been super practical, but when it comes to the lies of the enemy, first of all, would you write this down to take every thought captive? And I'm just going to write the word captive. Take every thought captive. You say, what do you you mean? I'm not church and I'm not, I don't know. The Bible says this. It says, take every thought captive. It's uh, 1 Corinthians. It talks about 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. But what happens is you and I, we don't think about what we're thinking about. We just let the thought come in. And you let the thought come in and it starts to wreck your mood. Let me put up on the screen how this works. We'll just show you a demonstration. So let me put a slide up here. You'll see. You go out today and you think, I'll never look as good as her. That's a lie. But you say, what do I do with this? I feel like the rest of my day, I'm just bothered by my body image and I'm just bothered by my clothes and it affects everything I do. What do I do when the Bible says take every thought captive? It's like you see that and you say, wait a minute, that's not true. So you got to bring it up with the truth. You say, next slide, let's just put it up on the screen. So you got to filter it through God's word. So you take the word of God and says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So Satan will bring up the lie, but you've got to bring up the truth. And this is where we stop. Many of us take the lie, but we don't finish the equation. We don't bring the truth. You need to bring the truth to bear because the truth is our weapon. What did the Bible say? And the truth shall make you free. Many of us do not have freedom because we do not have the truth. You think just because you come to church today, just because you got yourself a Bible today, just because you said a little prayer today that you're free. No, it's not until you take that word and you apply it that then you have the victory. You see, you got to catch these thoughts, but too often we let these thoughts just work us to death because why? These thoughts, they're pervasive, they're persistent, and they're personal. You say, what do you mean? This week, you may have gotten in an argument. All of a sudden you think, man, I have anger issues. And you just start thinking, I miss everything up. Because why? You start to personalize it. You start to make it seem like you're the worst person. But understand that Satan always exaggerates the situation. So you're not really that terrible of a mom. You're not really that terrible of a father. You're not that terrible of a boss. Satan always exaggerates the sin. It makes it worse. 
But God comes in, he says, it's not. I want to deal with this. You see, your actions may not have reflected God's love, but they didn't weaken God's love either. You see, what you did may not reflected God's love, but guess what? It never weakened it. And some of you feel like what I did this week, man, God doesn't love me. No, he loves you the same. As a matter of fact, in the last verse, the Bible says that God came walking in the cool of the day looking for them. You see, God is looking for you. You thought you came to church on accident. No, God's searching for you. He's calling you. He's compelling you. He wants you to come back. Some of you, this is the first time you've been to church in a long time. And I don't know if you came to, to celebrate a baby dedication or you came because you just drove by or you just came because you heard that there, there's this crazy preacher over there. I don't know what brought you here today, but it's no accident. God wants to speak to you. God wants to say something to you. He wants to let you know that God can deal with what you've done. God can deal with it. But you You've got to filter it through God's word. You see, God never meant life to just go through life just on your own. You see, life is an open book test. You say, what do you mean an open book test? I used to teach junior high and I'd love it when junior high would come in on a Friday and say, all right, pop quiz or pop test. And they'd freak out. They're like, we didn't study. We didn't prepare. And I'd say, it's an open book test. And all of a sudden they would breathe a sigh of relief. Except for the one kid didn't bring his book that day to class. He's like, no, I didn't bring my book. And I'm like, sucker. You know, it's just what happens. I always get one or two. See, God meant life to be an open book test. God meant for you to every situation say, I don't know how to parent, so God, let me open up to Proverbs and let me learn how to parent. God, I don't know how to love my spouse, so let me open up to the book of Song of Solomon and let me get some good stuff out of this book to learn how to have a good marriage. God, I don't know how to grow my relationship with you, so let me go to John 15 where it talks about that you are the vine, I'm the branch, where I need to be connected to you. God, I don't know how to deal with my anger, so let me go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse number one. God, I don't know how to deal with my lust, so God, help me to go to the past to deal with my lust. God, I don't know how to deal with my alcoholism. Let me take some passages. Let me deal with it. God, I don't know how to deal with this jealousy that I feel inside of me. So let me take it to God's word because life is meant to be an open book test. But there are so many Christians, you don't even know where your Bible is. You have no recollection where you last laid your Bible. And so what happens is we go to church and we hear one little verse and it's not enough because we said last week, if you are only listening to those who listen to God, that is co-opting your spirituality. And God wants to have a walk and a talk with with you directly. He wants to meet with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to whisper things to your heart. He wants to heal the wounds. He wants to speak life into you because God can forget any sin that you bring to him. He'll forgive it. You see, too often we hang on to those sins and God says, I can deal with it. I can bring it. As a matter of fact, this passage right here talks about the curse that doomed the human race. But in Romans, we see that as by one man, sin entered into the world, Romans chapter number five, but by the blood of one man, salvation came. God can reverse the curse. You feel like I'm too gone. You're never too gone. You feel like you don't know what I've done. Guess what? It doesn't matter what you've done because if God can reverse the ultimate curse, he can deal with your sin this morning. So you bring it to him. You confess it. You take off that rope that's held you bound where you can't walk in freedom, where you feel depressed, you feel discouraged and you step out into the light and say, I am no longer going to live a lie. I'm going to walk in freedom. And Satan, guess what? You've distracted me. You've gotten me to distrust God. You've disguised yourself. But guess what? I'm taking everything thought captive, baby. You're going to understand I'm going to filter it through God's word. And then lastly, get around godly Christian community because they'll help you. This is why we have life groups inside your worship guide. There's a little folder. And in this folder, it talks about the groups you can get connected with. We're not just on Sunday, but all throughout the week, you can get in a group. You can pray together. You can study God's word together. You need other brothers and sisters in Christ that'll encourage you. The Bible says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. 
You need that. I need that. Because there's an enemy out there seeking to destroy us. And so this morning, we've got to say, God, I need your help today. God, I can't do it today. And so if you're struggling to deal with what is true, then ask God to help you to know what is true. I hear people say things like they totally ridiculous, like things that just, where'd you get that? It's because they didn't have the truth. This morning, arm yourself with the truth. Say, God, I'm tired of believing the devil's lies. And so today, I renounce them. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you needing you, needing to know the truth. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives this morning.